Walking with a Missions podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Copeland, Director of Advancement and Communications, here with my co-host Scott Dunford, Pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. We are live here again, well, live to us, not to you, but we are recording here today in Louisville, Kentucky at the final Together for the Gospel conference, and it has been a joyful time um, connecting with brothers and sisters that are missions minded from across the country, but also from across the world. That's right. And new friends, including Pastor Evgeny. Uh, You are a pastor in Russia and I cannot do justice to your full name, much less all that you're doing in your full title. And so would you just introduce yourself briefly? Uh, My name is Evgeny Bakhmutsky. I'm a pastor of Russian Bible Church in Moscow and founder leader of Ecclesia Ministry. It's kind of like nine marks, G4G type, yeah. uh, where we encourage pastors and help the churches revitalize, plant, and uh, grow new leaders. Mm. So, you know, growing up in America, I mean, especially like for me, I grew up in the 1980s, so I always thought about Russia. And so usually always positive. Oh, as a I'm kid, sure. I had nightmares, which is, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure Russian kids are having nightmares about America. Uh, oh, we've been training every month, other months, uh, how to defend our motherland right. against American invasion. Right, and, and, and vice versa. <laughs> and then, of course, Rocky Four brought us all together. Uh, <laughs> well, Alex understands. But, um, but, but so, yeah, so but it's cl- like the movie Russian not coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, that's great, too. But, uh, but then, of course, you know, like watching, um, you know, as, thing, as the political situation in Russia changed at the fall of the Soviet Union, hearing stories of the church and what God was doing there, like clearly I think most Americans have found like a lot of interest in what was going on in Russia. So tell us a little bit, like what has been, what's going on in the church over the last 40 years or so um, and, and where are things standing, especially from your vantage point in Moscow? Yeah, you, you know, but I grew up in Siberia. Okay. Uh, my great-grandfather, he was killed for his faith. Both of my grandfathers were sent in exile to Siberia. So I ended up in Siberia because of God's providence and decision of Soviet government. So I, my ministry started in Siberia, but wow. uh, we were moved uh, 18 years ago to be in Moscow. Um, you know, a number of years ago, I visited uh, one summer, uh, I visited 31 youth camps. At that time, I was National Youth Minister Director for Evangelical Christian Baptist Union uh, Fellowship. And um, I asked three questions. They're all young people. First question is, who is Lenin? And they usually answered, Lenin like a former Soviet leader or kind of Russian leader, something like that. So majority really answered this question. Second question, who is a pioneer? And a pioneer was a children communist organization. And uh, usually people say, oh, pioneers like explorers, kind of first people. And they, <laughs> I remember one girl uh, from Siberia, Novosibirsk, she said, my mom told me that when she was young, there were children wearing red ties, but I had no clue why they were doing that. And the last question was, who is Kamsamol? And Kamsamol, Kamsamol was a youth communistic organization, like a high school yeah. and like students. And uh, none of them could answer, none. So what, I, what I'm trying to say there, there's a new generation, they're searching for their identity. Yeah. Uh, very much open for the gospel. Mm. Uh, 
like a, a church where I'm pastoring now, we doubled in our size every second year and mostly through young professionals. Wow. And these people don't have any church background. Majority of them, I mean the vast majority. Mm. We keep baptizing, discipling. There are a list of like 200 people in our membership class. Every year, at least we start with these numbers. So it's 200 just, new members every year, that's what I heard. Yes, people want to wow. join to the church. Wow, so God yeah. is working in great yeah. ways. Yeah, we planted churches, helping other churches, and we don't have any assistance, by the way, from the West. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And wow. you're welcome to join, too. <laughs> well, I a do, good I, mobilizer right well, there. I, no, I do have I Russian, some Russian background, so... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. I'm very interested in Russian history uh, because of that. So we don't have to beat around the bush, obviously, with the conflict conflict in Ukraine, many people are thinking about mm -hmm. Russia and Ukraine for perhaps the first time. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a sense of what is it like experiencing that, seeing some of the headlines and, and feeling that very personally in Russia and also from the perspective of someone pastoring a church too that's mm -hmm. focused on helping people follow Christ despite whatever nation they live in? Yeah, Alex, it's a good question. Uh, first of all, I need to say that my heart is broken. Uh, I quite often cry with tears when I pray for Ukraine. Uh, and uh, my heart not just sentimental, but really uh, full of pain and suffering what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, secondly, I'm, I'm more Russian than I'm, uh, actually I'm more Christian than Russian. Mm. So uh, for me, my suffering Ukrainian brother is much closer than my Russian neighbor who doesn't believe God. Yeah. So I affiliated myself with a suffering church. Uh, so their pain, my pain too, and our pain too. It's, it's the reason why our church yeah. sending uh, many people or helping many refugees every day. It's hundreds of people going mm. through when, whom we're helping or involved somehow to help in different parts of Russia and uh, or even even Ukraine. So are those Ukrainian refugees going yeah. to Russia? Even even uh, today, uh, mm. one of my interns sent me a picture from my kitchen with my wife who met one Ukrainian young man at uh, a bus station, train station. So she met him and brought home, fed him breakfast, and now this intern came to take him and to deliver him to Poland. Mm. So we're doing that, including my own family and our church too. Like two of our deacons, they just driving back from Crimea to to Moscow for Easter celebration because they've been serving for two weeks on the border helping mm. refugees. So it's uh, uh, so our challenge is uh, so first challenge is we just really suffering our hearts, yeah. and it's true. Uh, pain in our hearts. We're not indifferent. Uh, it's our pain what's happening in Ukraine. Secondly, we have huge, much pressure from different sides. Like one pressure from uh, Russian society and partially government because there are new laws that uh, promising me to give us sentences of 15 years of prison for saying something or not saying something. Right. So it's wow. uh, one pressure. And we are in Russia. We don't want to lose Russian people, but we don't want to compromise phase two. Uh, second pressure we have from Ukrainian Christians. We got amazing 
high level of hate from Ukrainian Christians just because we are in Russia. Mm. And mostly not for what we did or said, but what we did not say. Mm. It's a quite, maybe the biggest, the easiest comparison like social justice issue here. Mm. If you not said something, you are probably the most terrible person ever lived on this planet. Silence is violence. That's yeah, the, yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly what say. Okay. And, uh, and people demand you to say not just certain ideas, but certain words. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I, my assistant say, saying to me that I'm getting at least 1,000 hate comments from Ukraine. And uh, some of them really terrible, even to kind of recall them. Uh, so it's not a pressure. We love and we forgive, but it just... I, we understand that. I mean, I do understand that because of pain and suffering. Do they, Sometimes you want to share that. Do they, is it because they think that you have influence? I, I, I do uh, in different ways. Some because of I'm living in Russia. Some say, like, you're Russian, you're paying taxes for your army. So some thinking that mm. I have a strong influence and I can do something mm. or I can say something that but we're not messiahs, we can't say. Uh, even we say saying, and we really saying enough <laughs> to, to be arrested. Uh, and a third pressure is how to reach Russians, especially people who support that war, yeah. or, or, or whose sons and, and husbands on military right now. Yeah how to reach them yeah. and uh, and you need to be wise uh, not just uh, to hate or or blame but to find a way how to reach like how to reach soul persecuting church and it's also our challenge mm -hmm. and in a plus to that you have congregation who's uh, losing jobs who's losing hearts who has some moral issues and uh, economical issues and many other different issues and you are pastor and uh, you have people who just uh, mostly maybe disagree what's happening but some maybe agree but they all suffer too right. because they have relatives and also suffer because of sanctions and you are pastor and you're thinking about spiritual awakening of Russia you're thinking how to reach this nation who just living in a dark, uh, spiritually dark uh, life. Your, your congregation is suffering financially, uh, to, just physically today, yeah, right Yeah, now. just today I talked with one brother whose uh, company said to him that they are going to relocate to Germany and he has two uh, months to decide to move or to lose a job. I talked with another brother just uh, two days ago while I just got here and he said he has a number of good number of employees and his company is about to over because of all their business being connected with Europe. Oh, yeah. uh, so our deacons even created a fund, uh, like a share fund to help each other. Because if you know, we are Russia, like you can't help us anyhow. And also we just kind of hated by whole world, uh, not because of we, it's hard to say, not because we did it, but because we live in Russia. Oh. By the way, a church. Built by association. Yeah, and uh, so it's all things coming together, and you're in the midst of that. Hmm. So historically, 
Has there been a connection between the church, the, the evangelical churches in the Ukraine? Oh, yeah. Uh, we one, in many ways, we are one brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, now I think we're testing yeah. uh, what we built on our unity. And uh, I started to record some videos with some Ukrainian pastors. Just, uh, even we got much criticism, uh, but it's still helping us to have dialogue and also maintain our unity in Christ yeah. we have. Um, not really easy. What has been the re response to the, I mean, a lot of times it seems like in crisis, there's some kind of spiritual response. Um, have you noticed like in, uh, you know, among the non-believing people that you're interacting with, is there more of a response to the gospel? Is there a jadedness to the gospel? How are people, how are unbelievers responding to what's happening? Is, can you explain what you're seeing there? Um, you know, I, I see two different responses. Uh, first response is, uh, like, one of my friends from high school make a, called me on the phone and said, I, I need to meet you. So we met a week ago. I, I thought that I got to meet with him, like, a from, from 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. I go to see our small group leaders meeting, and we stay till 10.30 p.m. He is completely atheistic person, but he said, I watched six videos series, series about Christian faith. I'm ready to talk. And uh, I really preached Christ to him, preached the gospel to him. And it makes sense to him the very first time. Uh, but majority of population now um, have really hard hearts and not so softened, yeah. at least in Russia, at least in Russia. What would you say drives you? So you mentioned the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, Paul, right, as an example of some of the tensions and even some of the political tensions when a controversial figure comes mm -hmm. to faith in Christ. Are there other biblical examples or biblical figures or, or just truths that you sort of anchor yourself in that are, that are guiding you and helping you minister? Because I'll give you an example. We interviewed someone uh, a year or so ago who served in Iraq from America, he was from Kansas, and he went to serve in Iraq in 2003. So, in the midst of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And so, there's one example there of, you know, you've got mixed loyalties. You, you have a, an identity as belonging yeah. to a certain nation, but you're also there as a missionary, as a Christian, or as a pastor, and balancing those things well. Obviously, we know that our Christian identity transcends any of our national allegiances or, or lack thereof. Um, but how do you hold those things in tension, and what teachings of Scripture, what truths do you find yourself going back to time and again for wisdom along those lines? Well, it's a good question. I changed my uh, sermon for this Easter, because Russian Easter is going to be next Sunday, coming Sunday. Uh, I, I plan to preach when Lenin will raise up again. <laughs> uh, we're talking about... Uh, resurrection and judgment. Hmm, hmm. Uh, but now I changed it. I'm going to preach from Philippians chapter 3. I hmm. want to know Him and hmm. about His resurrection hmm. and communion with His suffering. Uh, so I want to show non-Christian that nothing going to bring them transformation and satisfaction except Lord Jesus alive. Hmm. Hmm. Christian faith is just unique faith. I, I can have personal real relationship with the Lord. And for Christians, I just want to say them that this difficult situation is just a great testing for their faith. 
doesn't really love the Lord more than their comfort, their career, uh, their enjoyments. I don't really willing to, sur to suffer and, sur and just give everything for the sake of uh, salvation others and knowing the Lord more. Uh, and one of the favorite passage which reminds me like Philippians chapter 1 where Paul's saying that we have a privilege not just to believe but to suffer too. Mm -hmm. And right now I feel myself like a prophet Jeremiah uh, preaching to his nation, disobedient nation. generation uh, who's going to face God's judgment but at the same time, there is a hope. There's hope that God will revive. So that's uh, that's probably what I have right now in my heart. And it sounds like God is granting some measure of revival because your church is adding so many new members. Do you see that across the country? Or is um, that unique to your church? Do you see more uh, and more spiritual interest across the board? You know, I would say that, um, no, our church, a little bit unique. I would say like the unique, kind of a little bit unique in many ways. But at the same time, not the only one. There are a number of churches, part of Iglesia Fellowship, that are growing and flourishing. And because of they much more clear on the gospel, they are much more congregation-driven, local church-based. So it's uh, when you have a good pastoral care, uh, good preaching, it doesn't mean that you're going to experience revival, but there is a better chance, let's put it this way. And when you are a real membership, and again, pastoral care and clear gospel, you may expect people coming to face. Uh, so it's happening, not just in Moscow, but in many other places. Uh, but also, I think that younger generation, especially young professionals, they are hungry for the truth much more. They got enough to understand that it's empty. Mm. It's not satisfying your soul. Mm. It's not giving you everlasting joy and they're just searching. We have so many people who came to faith through, through their friends, co-workers, neighbors, who, who just heard the gospel with them. And mostly because of they saw there's something unique in their lives. So they come and ask questions and they share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a follow-up real quick? Yeah. Are those from a secular, yeah. like a, a, an atheistic background, obviously? Majority um, of them. So not a lot from an, uh, like an Orthodox background. Are you seeing Orthodox people understand the gospel and not you know, so much? Because for most of us in the West, we, Orthodoxy, we really don't understand. Well, and can I add too, like, yeah. there's kind of a trend amongst evangelicals of yeah. moving toward Orthodoxy. Yeah, 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 because you don't like Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy seems to be better. And people want some sense of tradition. They, they like yes. the smells and bells. You know, and they wait. immerse. Yes. <laughs> you know, in some ways, I tell Best you that like, Greek Orthodox Church is better than Roman Catholic. I mean, they keep in tradition. Mm. So they, their doctrine really mm. kind of frozen in the 10th century. Mm -hmm. So there's no strange mm. additions. So it's kind of more attractional and also traditional mm -hmm. uh, liturgy. Uh, but the majority of Russians, they claim to be Russian Orthodox, like 65% might right. say. Uh, but uh, for them, it's a more like national identity. If you're Russian, right. you've got to be Russian Orthodox. Yeah. But it, <laughs> quite often you may hear, I'm a normal Russian, I'm a Russian atheist, Russian Orthodox atheist. Sure. So they culturally, even the <laughs> culturally, not really Russian Orthodox. 
to make it uh, maybe an atheist, but I'm an orthodox yeah, atheist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's like about Belarusian president one day said. Yeah. I'm a normal. I'm a Russian orthodox atheist. But it's not just for him. It's for many others. Mm. Uh, in reality, there are only three to five percent of Russians who are regularly going to church, including Catholics and evangelicals. So it's a really small, tiny number. Right. Yeah. Like right now, for instance, Moscow, it's almost 20 million people. Officially 16, but almost 20 million. Sure. And this coming Easter, I think we're going to have 200, maybe 50 or 300,000 people who are just going to be in the Easter service. The biggest yeah. service. It's Russian Holy Week right now. Yeah. 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 For Orthodox, yeah. 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 It's and, one uh, week later. So it's a Western. really small number, really small number. So it's, it's a historically Russian Orthodox kind of uh, identical intention, national identity, but it's not belief. Right, right. I, I think the idea like around nationalism, I'm not sure if American Christians think about it a lot. They ought to. They don't think they always understand like how nationalism and American identity gets tied into Christianity. But what would you say to American Christians? Like if you could say a prophetic word, so to speak, you know, to American Christians about, about you said something really profound that I'm sure people caught, but like you're, that you're, you're being, a, you're closer in relationship to your brothers in Christ in Ukraine or wherever they might be than you are to an unbeliever in, in mm -hmm. Russia. I think there's some Americans that would, even Christians that would go, I don't know, like, and uh, I'm, I'm American, maybe even first. There's some professing Christians. Well, sure. I would say that, yeah. But, but I, I, do, I think I, if you have the Holy Spirit, though, I, I think, think you recognize on some visceral level, that's obviously true. We all, I, I think we can also, like, sympathize. Like, we understand, like, hey, you love your country, and that's a, that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a, a God-given thing, thing, right? right? Yeah. So what, what would be your advice to Americans? Americans to, to to start thinking now before conflict happens, right? Mm -hmm. Of how to put your faith as your first point of like of, of, who, of who you belong. What are we doing wrong? Yeah, what a good question. You know, what are we doing wrong, Evgeny? What are we doing wrong? You know, uh, to preach uh, judgmental messages is much easier than uh, messages with a whole gospel-centered hope. <laughs> uh, uh, who am I to judge? I, I can't. You need to say to your people. Uh, but what I would say, first one, first of all, we are all children of our culture. Uh, we sometimes we understand that. For instance, I grew up in Siberia. If I look straight in your eyes all the time, it means that I don't, I don't like you. Hmm. I want to conquer you with my eyes. So when I came to U.S., I thought it's. I'm Should surrounded I be concerned by, right now? I was <laughs> kind of surrounded by uh, proud people. <laughs> yeah. All proud people. <laughs> or I'm wearing my wedding ring here, right hand, and yeah. I'm wearing here, left hand. In Russia, it means that I'm divorced and I'm open for another relationship. Oh, oh I need to And when I came to some conferences, I was shocked to see proud pastors divorce and preaching. <laughs> so it's a, yeah. there are some cultural things, and sometimes we may preach our culture more than. Uh, the gospel itself. Right. So the first thing that uh, it's what I just remind ourselves: I'm a part of my culture, and I need to be careful not to uh, forget the gospel as a first priority, and just to bring more of my culture, like praying and whatever. Second thing is, we all heavenly citizens or citizens of heaven, and uh, it's my identity. It's I. I'm not an American or a Russian citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven, first of all, because of one day, Christ is gonna be a ruler of all planets. I mean, 
openly. Yeah. So I, I, I'm part of his kingdom, and I want to preach his message as his kingship. And I don't want to die even for my country without the Lord. So I, 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 I'm fine to die for my country, for my people, but because of the Lord, but not, be, not because of my country yeah. as a Christian. So it's uh, my legacy to him. And because of him, I love my country, I love my people, but it's not because of my country, but because of him. Mm. Love the Lord first and love your neighbor mm. second. So my loving neighbor, or my, my patriotism is built not on my culture, but on my Lord. Mm. I love that. I, I love that can too. I just emphasize that? Because we've, we've talked about that, I think yeah. a year or two ago, we did an episode on love of country. Uh, but the idea that it's not just Christ first, country second or third or fourth or where, you know wherever you put it, it's that idea of I, out of obedience to Christ, I love my nation, yeah, and I, I want to have a heart for all the nations as God yeah. does as well. But it's out of obedience to my Lord that I care about my neighbors. And it's helping me as a missionary if I come to other country, I'm coming as a. Christ's messenger. Yeah. So I love Christ first, and because of that I love these people. Yeah. And it's really helping uh, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna die as an American. I want to die as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can remember. This is. I mean, there's been tension between the United States and China for a long time, and I can remember just, just a little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can remember preaching in a in a church about the need in China and encouraging people to think carefully about that. And, and I, I was in Michigan, which is, you know, a big manufacturing place, mm -hmm. and they were at that time losing jobs. They felt like mm -hmm. China was... And I had a, a guy after the church walk up to me and said, when you started preaching about China, I was so ticked because they're stealing our jobs. And in the end, he was like, yeah. well, you gave me some things to think about because he started thinking mm -hmm. about it from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. And I think it's very much a challenge for us in a world that's saying they're, they're, they're trying to sometimes use religion to... to to actually make us have more allegiance to, to this world than to Christ. And we need to constantly be fighting that to say, yes, we can be thankful for the places where we're, we're born, we can be thankful for the culture we were given, we can be thankful for the languages that we, were, that we spoke, but, but our, our commitment has to first be to Christ and to the people that Christ loves. And, and to love the world means we, sometimes those things have to come yes, second. Yes, I like First Corinthians chapter 9, Paul saying, I'm a Jew for Jews. Yeah. I'm for Gentiles. So he not been denying his identity, but his identity was mostly in Christ. And there's the difference biblically, and I think it's helpful to bring out here between a people group, mm -hmm. which is in some ways, and you, you can debate the definitions, but when Scripture speaks of nations and peoples, yeah. Yeah. talking about groups of peoples versus the geopolitical, governmental yeah. construct and borders surrounding that it's people, a good point. I might, I might hate a governmental system if that governmental system is built on wickedness, right? Or, mm -hmm. or I might have very mixed feelings about a system, or I might love that system if it derives from principles of, of truth and, and justice. But we're called to love all of the peoples, the nations themselves, and those are the nations that the Lord has drawn right. to Himself. I think it's a good so that, point. Really good that's point. That's what your friend at that church learned. Uh, mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, Evgeny: mm -hmm. What counsel would you give to other missionaries serving in a place like China, for instance, where, where Americans aren't going to understand that, or, or perhaps somebody serving in a 
Islamic context where there's still tension between those nations and, and somewhere like the United States or other Western countries, what would you say to a missionary serving in a land that their homeland is hostile towards and how would you guide it's, that it's person? It's a good question. It's, you know, Russia itself, it's uh, 194 different nationalities. And Russia itself such a different, like the largest mosque in Europe, in Russia, in Chechnya, capital of Chechnya. Hmm. They want to build the largest Buddhist temple in Russia too. Hmm. And uh, it's just, Russia really complex. It's not just Russian Orthodox Church only. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, um, my, my biggest recommendation, it's hard to find love, to fight love. Mm. When you love people, not because of uh, you like their culture or their country, but because of you love them. Mm. And if a missionary, it's good to come as a loving person, just loving people in spite of everything and not highlighting my background, my country. And I'm not against my country, but I love you. I, you are my target. You are receiver of my love. Right. And this is what I would recommend. And a step hmm. by step, I will earn maybe a right to speak a little more. I can make comments about culture or mimic country. But I need to come first as a loving person. Right. Yes, human beings. Right. That's good. And many people, they come like, they would just want to change everything right away. They <laughs> come in like uh, Messiahs or not so political, but still like a political statement. Yeah. It's yeah. not the way we should go. Like, look at Apostle Paul yeah. or Jesus or Apostles. They've been functioning in such a different surroundings. I, I think it's incredible to just attest it. This is an apologetic to the truth of the gospel is you have, you know, a thousand years ago, you have East and West splitting. You have the West splitting amongst itself through the Reformation. Like, and here we are from countries that at one time or another have been in conflict with each other and still are in some ways. And yet we're all committed to the gospel here first and foremost, and we share allegiance to Christ as Lord. That, that in itself is just the fact that a Christian movement, a Christian religion exists in which those things are yeah. true. Yeah. Is, a, is, is also itself an undeniable testimony. That plus the love that someone shows for another person, mm -hmm. uh, I think would be a compelling witness. That's great. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. Mm. Well, how, how can churches in America pray for your church? How can we pray for uh, the people you're ministering to? Oh, Scott, it's just, um, first of all, pray for spiritual awakening in Russia. Yeah. Mm. Uh, second, pray for protection of Ukraine. And spiritual awakening there yeah, too. Sure. Uh, third, uh, pray that God will protect Russian church because we just under such a pressure from so many sides, right. so many sides. There was pressure before all this stuff happened, yeah, right? And now even just uh, yeah. even more. Yeah. Even more. Even some of them knew. Yeah. And uh, pray that we'll continue. You know what? What's uh, what? What you need to have in order to have spiritual awakening? Big God theology. Mm. healthy local church, people ready to suffer, hmm. and, uh, and... That's just, about it. That, that's enough. <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. 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 And it's yeah. what uh, what's, uh, we need to do. Yeah. To revitalize churches, plant more, prepare leaders to be sent, and just pray for God to interfere and uh, touch hearts of people. Very good. Well, Evgeny, thank you. Again for joining oh, us. Brothers, thank you for such a good conversation. Yeah, it was really, 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 really
We need to hear it. And yeah. even those of us that consider ourselves missions-minded and globally-minded, I think we still have to expose ourselves to perspectives of brothers and sisters from around the world in places that most Americans aren't conversant with. Yeah. And so. you're welcome to come one day to Moscow and oh, Siberia. I'll okay. let my wife know. Perfect. I, I would love Babe, to. Babe, I'm going to Siberia. Yeah, There's and, so many reasons and, I want to come. And you finally you will see St. Petersburg, the most beautiful city in Europe. Yes. And well, and my son's name is Basil, so like St. Ah. Basil's always has a unique uh, I'm Alexander, to me, you so know? we'll fit. So. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for watching and listening today. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To get more information, go to missionspodcast.com. You can support our efforts at missionspodcast.com slash support. The Missions Podcast is powered by ABWE, and we are thankful for all of your faithful listenership and viewership. And until next week, thank you for watching and listening as we're live from Louisville, Kentucky, at Together for the Gospel.